Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 10. The Terrible Secret. Part 4. The gentle reader may perhaps have suffered from this difficulty. Not it, said Peter. It's a jolly good thing it wasn't you was hurt. I'm glad it was me. There, if it had been you, you'd have been lying on the sofa looking like a suffering angel and being the light of the anxious household and all that. I couldn't have stood it. No, I shouldn't, said Bobby. Yes, you would, said Peter. I tell you I shouldn't. I tell you you would. Oh, children, said Mother's voice at the door. Quarreling again? Already? We weren't quarreling, not really, said Peter. I wish you wouldn't think it's rouse every time we don't agree. When Mother had gone out again, Bobby broke out. Peter, I am sorry you're hurt, but you are a beast to say I'm a prig. Well, said Peter unexpectedly, perhaps I am. You did say I wasn't a coward, even when you were in such a wax. Only thing is, don't you be a prig, that's all. You keep your eyes open, and if you feel priggishness coming on, just stop in time, see? Yes, said Bobby. I see. Then let's call it Pax, said Peter magnanimously. Bury the hatchet in the fathoms of the past. Shake hands on it. I say, Bobby, old chap, I am tired. He was tired for many days after that, and the settle seemed hard and uncomfortable in spite of all the pillows and bolsters and soft-folded rugs. It was terrible not to be able to go out. They moved the settle to the window, and from there Peter could see the smoke of the trains winding along the valley, but he could not see the trains. At first Bobby found it quite hard to be as nice to him as she wanted to be, for fear he should think her priggish. But that soon wore off, and both she and Phyllis were, as he observed, jolly good sorts. Mother sat with him when his sisters were out, and the words, he's not a coward, made Peter determine not to make any fuss about the pain in his foot, though it was rather bad, especially at night. Praise helps people very much sometimes. There were visitors, too. Mrs. Perks came up to ask how he was, and so did the stationmaster, and several of the village people, but the time went slowly, slowly. I do wish there was something to read, said Peter. I've read all our books fifty times over. I'll go to the doctor's, said Phyllis. He's sure to have some. Only about how to be ill and about people's nasty insides, I expect, said Peter. Perks has a whole heap of magazines that came out of trains when people are tired of them, said Bobby. I'll run down and ask him. So the girls went their two ways. Bobby found Perks busy cleaning lamps. And as the young gent, said he. Better, thanks, said Bobby, but he's most frightfully bored. I came to ask if you'd got any magazines you could lend him. And now, said Perks regretfully, rubbing his ear with a black and oily lump of cotton waste. Why, well, didn't I think of that now? I was trying to think of something that amused him as only this morning, and I couldn't think of anything better than a guinea pig. And a young chap I know has gone over to fetch that for him this tea time. Oh, how lovely! A real live guinea? He will be pleased. But he'd like the magazines as well. That's just it, said Perks. I've just sent the pick of em over to Sniggson's boy, and what's just getting over the pneumonia. But I've got lots of illustrated papers left. He turned to the pile of papers in the corner and took up a heap six inches thick. There, he said. I'll just slip a bit of string and paper round em. He pulled an old newspaper from the pile, spread it on the table, and made a neat parcel of it. There, said he. 
There's lots of pictures, and if he likes to mess them about with his paint box or colored chalks or whatnot, why let him. I don't want him. You're a dear, said Bobby, took the parcel and started. The papers were heavy, and she had to wait at the level crossing when a train went by. She rested the parcel on top of the gate, and idly she looked at the printing on the paper that the parcel was wrapped in. Suddenly she clutched the parcel tighter and bent her head over it. It seemed like some horrible dream. She read on. The bottom of the column was torn off. She could read no farther. She never remembered how she got home, but she went on tiptoe to her room and locked the door. Then she undid the parcel and read that printed column again, sitting on the edge of her bed, her hand and feet icy cold and her face burning. When she had read all there was, she drew a long, uneven breath. So now I know, she said. What she had read was headed, end of the trial. Sentence. The name of the man who had been tried was the name of her father. The verdict was guilty, and the sentence was five years penal servitude. Oh, Daddy, she whispered, crushing the paper hard. It's not true. I don't believe it. You never did it. Never, never, never. There was a hammering on the door. What is it? said Bobby. It's me, said the voice of Phyllis. Tea's ready, and a boy's brought Peter a guinea pig. Come along down. And Bobby had to. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.